Welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. I'm here with Hannah McMullen. Hannah, welcome. Thank you, Raf. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to be here with you. So uh, could you uh, introduce yourself to the Pilates stratosphere, please? I would love to. My name is Hannah. I am a Pilates instructor. I've been teaching since 2015. I also own a studio called The Reformery in upstate New York, and I'm a co-founder of Plank Out. And we're here pretty much to talk about, well, not as about Plank Out exclusively, but about the employment situation and how to find a job, how to find staff. Uh, so could you could you start off by uh, sharing like what is Plank App and um, you know what it does? Absolutely. Most people were probably like, "Huh, what is that?" <laughs> so Plank App is it's a brand new app. And it's really the first of its kind. We describe it as the Pilates talent marketplace. But really what we mean by that is it's a tool that helps great instructors find great jobs and also helps studios find great instructors. And great is kind of, you know, it could mean a lot of different things to different people. I'm not here to define what that means, but our goal is to help instructors and studios find their great counterpart, the studio that matches with them, the instructor that matches with the studio that's the right fit so that we can help the industry grow. It's such a great idea. And uh, it's one of those ones where several times over the last couple of years, I've kind of thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody did some kind of app to to match make like the Tinder for Pilates instructors and Pilates studios? And um, then when I when I came across Plank App, I was like, oh, someone did it. That's so awesome. Um, so I'm really, really glad to talk with you. So tell me uh, a little bit more uh, about the the app. Like, so basically, like how, you know, give us the kind of the in a nutshell version of how does it work? Yeah. So we try, um, well, really, we're trying to disrupt how an entire industry functions, much like Tinder did for the dating world or Airbnb did for planning and booking vacations. The Pilates industry and fitness in general, I think, tries to function. And I mean, when it comes to hiring, kind of like your more traditional nine to five desk job, where my experience in the industry has always been, okay, I'm looking for a new job. Um, and really, Plank Gap was inspired by my experience in the industry, moving to New York City and building up my schedule and my career there. I'm looking for a new job. I have no idea where to look. I follow all of these studios on Instagram, but I can't just reach out to them there. So I'm looking on job boards and I'm also spending a fortune, taking classes in studios, trying to cut through, you know, meet an instructor to then meet a manager to then get through. Um, Or I'm applying blindly to Indeed ads that are pretty generic, um, that don't tell me much about the vibe of a studio, the clientele, what they prioritize, what they care about. And so it's this really old-fashioned process. I'm trying to write a resume for Pilates, which there's only so much you can write, When talking about your skills, your experience, more importantly, your personality, your style, your energy. And what I found was 
the whole industry is wasting time by trying to function this way. I met with studios. I auditioned. I even started working at places. And I was like, whoa, this is this is not me. No shade. There's space to, for everyone. But this isn't a fit. And then I also worked at studios, um, studios that I loved that were a perfect fit. And I realized I found those studios because I learned about the studio and what their values were, who their clientele was, um, what they were really looking for before going down this job application process. So that inspired the entire idea of the app. That and seeing how rapid the Pilates industry, uh, the growth has been and how there's massive hiring needs, there's massive turnover needs. And a lot of people who work in the industry work part-time or they'll move around or they prioritize travel. And they're looking for a faster way to find good jobs or maybe find seasonal or temporary jobs or gigs while they're teaching. Um, we really don't function like a traditional job where you maybe go through a two to three month hiring process and then you're there for, you know, one to 30 years, depending on how well the job goes. This is a much different field. I think you're so right what you say there about essentially the antiquated practices around hiring. I think we use these kind of things like that are they're from other industries like job boards and curriculum vitae's and you know all of that kind of stuff and it's like yeah what do you put on your what do you put on your job ad and they all, all, all on your resume and they all end up looking like you know must have this many hours of certification must be qualified on these apparatus you know whatever it must be so or, or if you're writing your resume it's like I'm certified with this organization I've done this many you know continuing ed courses or whatever but it's actually that's not it turns out you know that's not what people really really care about most of the time it's like yeah you want someone who knows how to teach obviously but it's like it's like you say it's all the values uh elements that end up being kind of the make or break thing for the vast majority of people um, and so it's, I think it's such, so fantastic, such a breath of fresh air that you've created a platform that lets instructors and studios showcase those things that are actually important and meaningful in the hiring process, not just go through some kind of ritualistic thing where we share a, you know, laboriously put together word document of a resume that, you know, really it's like, what's that got to do with how well you teach Pilates? You you nailed it completely. Um, and I think when looking at a resume, like hiring managers don't like looking at resumes and they're really looking for reasons to rule a candidate out. Like, OK, let me get this pile down rather than the most important attributes being at the forefront and getting really excited looking at a candidate and being like, oh, my gosh, I love the way they described you know, their style or the type of class they teach. Or I loved seeing, you know, on Plain Gap, we ask instructors to put up a demo video. I loved that sequence or the way they cued that. I want to talk to them and I'm going to make that next step in connecting with them. Everybody has to be able to teach Pilates to be a Pilates instructor, but that's the easiest thing to figure out in someone. Right. But often in the, in the traditional hiring process, 
it's one of the last things you find out about somebody. So you you look at their resume and you read their cover letter, then they'll do an you know some kind of interview and you'll ask them about their experience and values questions. And finally, you think, oh, this person's so awesome. Finally, you see them teach, you're like, oh crap, they can't teach. You know, so, so it's like really when you're hiring somebody, there are you know two or three or four key questions you need to answer. Like, okay, can this person teach? Are they a values fit? Are they going to put you know bums on mats or bums on reformers? You know, in my studio, are they going to be easy to work with? Like, are they going to be low maintenance? You know, in terms of the employee relationships and stuff. And so it's like, really what I want to know as an employer is like, how can I answer those questions as quickly as possible with as high a degree of certainty as possible? And if I can just scroll through an app and look at a video of each person teaching, like straight away, I can see, oh, no, that person's not going to fit in or that person is going to fit in, you know, and we, and then we don't even have to talk about that because I've already seen, you know, what they can do there. So it's, it's, that's so awesome. I love it. Thank you. So um, how does Plank app – oh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, what areas are you operating in? Where, where are you? Like, I know I know you're an, obviously you're an app, but, like, you yeah. have to recruit studios, right? And then you – so there is a geographical kind of uh, network effect. That, Absolutely. That, yeah. So our largest we are worldwide, and lately I've been seeing more and more studios from around the world find us, and it's so cool. I mean, I see these studios and jobs come up, and I'm like, oh, wow, I want to drop everything and go teach in Barbados for the next three months because this job is up there. Not realistic for me, but if you're listening, (laughs) it sounds very enticing. Um, But we are primarily U.S.-based, and our biggest areas, um, it's not surprising, it's New York, L.A., um, really California, Southern California, all the way up to San Francisco and Dallas. Those are our biggest areas. Um, and our story, we actually started. So my husband and I started working on the app back in 2019. We were based in New York City and our plan was to only launch there, just boots on the ground, launch in the city. Um, COVID happened. We also had my daughter. We left, we moved upstate. And in that process, I connected with our third partner, who's now our partner, Trisha Whitlock. She is out of Dallas, Texas, and she was running a Facebook group called Traveling Pilates Instructors. And so as soon as I found that group, um, we started talking and our goals, our mission, everything was very much aligned. Um, And so we decided to join forces. And she had a user base from her Traveling Pilates group. She converted that into a small website that needed an upgrade in terms of functionality. So we actually um, onboarded all of the Traveling Pilates instructors, uh, studios and instructors on there, brought them onto Plank App as our early testing beta group. So we do have a pretty diverse footprint from that onboarding. Um, But since then, most of our growth has been New York, L.A., all up and down the California coast, honestly. Um, South Florida is another very big area for us. And recently, I've been seeing more studios um, in Australia pop up, which is very exciting for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I was going to say, when you first said um, California, New York, uh, and uh, Texas, I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't say Florida, because actually that's one of the biggest places we uh, we see uh, students from. Uh, breathe education is, is nice. Florida. 
Yeah, we're seeing more um, Miami area, South Florida, you know, the Boca area up and down that East Coast a little bit more, some growth there, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, and uh, interesting that you mentioned Barbados as well, because we've, we've like, it's so weird. We've we've got like several students at the moment living in Barbados really? doing our programs. And I think like, what in a, what a like tiny, you know, spec, you know, part of the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, how many was- Pilates instructors are there in Barbados? <laughs> That is so interesting. I was surprised to see the studio join as well, but that's pretty yeah. cool. I love yeah. it. <laughs> shout out shout out to all the Pilates people in Barbados. You're doing awesome. Yeah, I, I hope to come visit sometime soon. So so how does Plank App make money from this process? Or are you just doing this as a charity? Uh, I, I wish I had the ability to just do it as a charity, but we are a business. Um, so we offered tiered memberships for studios. So we have a free tier. Any studio can join Plank App, create their profile, even post jobs and message with instructors. Um, But if you want to have the full functionality, all of the features and benefits of the app, you can upgrade as a pro studio account or an enterprise studio account. That's for studios with four more locations because there's different technical needs for those different locations. So those two tiers, um, studios pay an annual subscription for, and then it's free for instructors. It's always free for instructors to use to build their careers. That's awesome. So if you're an instructor, really, there's there's zero downside to to joining the app. Cost literally costs nothing. Costs absolutely nothing. Everyone should be on it. I'm biased, but. <laughs> so all right. So let's so. Let's get into talking about um, some of the, the the industry factors going on because another reason I'm very keen to talk with you is because of what you do and the data that you have access to, I really want to pick your brain uh, about you know what's going on in the Pilates employment space and you know what are some of the the factors that influence you know the success or failure of people looking for work or looking for instructors you know what are the sort of top things people do right do wrong uh, etc so tell me firstly um do you do you think there's an instructor shortage because i hear that a lot from studio owners i hear that a lot as well and i will say technology and post pandemic more instructors than ever are free to do their own thing. They have the tools, they have the networks to, you know, do their online classes or their streaming platform or, you know, go out on their own. And a lot of the times, or at least sometimes, that can be much more financially appealing. So I think that we saw many instructors go that route in response to studio shutting down and and just the entire industry getting disrupted. I'm also seeing a lot of those instructors, like ones that I know personally, go back to the studios. I think that, or do a hybrid of both. I think that a lot of instructors love teaching for the, the connection of it all, the connection to clients and community. Obviously, there's many reasons, but every instructor that I've met 
we kind of share that value, right? And so I think what's happening now is that more studios have also opened and competition for the really great instructors is higher. I think that studios need to offer a little bit more to attract and retain, you know, whatever they consider to be top talent. I also think that there are more Pilates instructors coming out of Pilates training programs than ever and more training programs than ever. I mean, you see it from, you know, your own training program, which operates worldwide. Um, You see the big schools and you also see a lot of smaller Pilates studios, my own included, offering training programs as well. So I think that there's also a need for studios to be willing to mentor and bring on these newer instructors. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience. I manage a team. I've hired everyone on that team, um, a team of 10 plus instructors, right? And they're all wonderful. But the newer ones have truly been a joy to bring on, to hire, to mentor, and to have the opportunity to help them grow into the Pilates instructors that they want to be and they can be. So I I think it's really multifaceted. I don't think that it is impossible or even that hard. And and I might get backlash for this, but I think students can attract really quality instructors if they do it prioritizing maybe some different things and doing it a different way. So there's a there's a decrease in the supply of instructors because a lot of instructors are starting their own thing. There's an increase in demand because more studios are opening. So what are those things that, you know, studios should prioritize? Well, let, let me let me backtrack a second and ask you, well, what do you see are the, the biggest mistakes studios make when they're looking for staff, you know, what are the things that like every time you see like, oh no, they're not, you know, they're not doing, they're not doing that, are they? (laughs) So the first mistake is waiting until they need to hire to recruit a network. Everything is great, right? You've got a full schedule, a full staff, you love your instructors. You're not thinking about building that pipeline of instructors, whether that's, you know, getting in touch with people who are coming out of training programs, you know, talking to them early on, maybe inviting them into your classes so they get a vibe for your style and all of that. Um, And so studios just wait and then they need to hire an instructor leaves or gets injured or, you know, whatever. And they're rushed to do it. And when you're rushed, you're not always going to make the best choices or be able to make the best choices. And then that perpetuates into likely turnover. So with Plank App, um, we're trying to offer studios another way to network with instructors before they need to hire, before they're in that place. So you can browse on the app, view instructor profiles, watch demo videos, um, we have a functionality where you can favorite someone. 
So maybe it's just having that list of names for people you want to reach out to, or maybe it's reaching out to them ahead of time and just being like, hey, I love your demo video or, you know, I love your profile. Would love to connect in the future. It depends on how a studio feels. And it's not just about doing that on Plank App. It's about doing it in your community, um, getting out, taking classes elsewhere, and just really being connected to instructors before you need to. So then you know who to reach out to and it's faster. That, I think, is the first thing. I love the idea of having a pipeline. Like in, in a sales role, you'd have a pipeline of you know opportunities, prospects that you're working working with. And uh, same, same here because it really is a marketing uh, function. You're, you're marketing your studio to prospective staff as opposed to prospective clients. But really, you know, the principle is exactly the same that you – you know, there's an exchange of value that takes place. You know, you give value to the instructor and the instructor gives value back to you, same as you give value to the client and the client gives value back to you. With a client, the client gives you money and you give them results and an experience. With an instructor, it's you give them money and they give you results. Yes. <laughs> but, so it's basically the same thing though, that yeah. you you don't just give money to instructors. You also give a lot of, lots of other intangible value like education, you know, community, you know, um, uh, advanced, career advancement, you know, opportunities, etc. So, so you know, marketing your thinking about, you know, where is my next client coming from? Well, it's really it's, just, it's the same mentality. It's like, where is my next in, instructor coming from? I've got full sessions now, but like, what happens next next month? You know? Yes, yes. You should always be thinking about where is my next great instructor coming from, and there's many ways to do that, but it should be top of mind. Yeah, I mean, I always, when I had the studio for a decade, we always preferred to have as many people on staff, like full-time as possible, but there's always some ideal balance point we found between having a, a few people sort of casual who could just come in and do subs at a moment's notice when needed. Um, if everybody's full-time, it's like, well, nobody's got the ability to do subs because they're already working full-time for you. <laughs> so, and if, and if one of them goes on holiday or gets pregnant or whatever, then all of a sudden you've got like 20 classes you need yeah. to, to <laughs> fill. <laughs> so yeah, having that sort of different sort of orbits of instructors, I think of it as like, okay, you've got your inner orbit of the full-time team members who are there, you're, you're close-knit, you know, sort of core team. But then you, I think you really need to have an outer orbit of people who maybe they work at three other studios as well, or maybe they work as a day job or whatever. And then they just work for you either like a couple of times a week, or maybe just like ad hoc when you need them. But I think those are the people in my experience that become the first choice when more opportunities do open up because you already have that relationship and you've seen, seen their work and you already have that trust. Absolutely. I completely agree. So what are what are the other uh, what are the other kind of you know big you know things that you think would you know people I guess I was going to ask you you know what are the big mistakes you see people make and then what what would you do but it's kind of like it's kind of the same question isn't it Yeah as I as I was thinking about that it it really is the flip side to both right so I think the other thing is looking or vetting candidates caring about however you want to phrase it um Caring about things like the brand of the certification and the years of experience as like the top requirements or attributes that you look for in a candidate. 
usually those are the things that I see in the first couple of lines in a job posting. And I think it's also like we said earlier, when people have a pile of resumes, well, how do I get down to figure out who I who I want? And I in no way am I saying that experience does not matter. Experience obviously matters. I am a much better instructor today than I was eight years ago when I started, right? But I have worked at studios that were not a fit for me and it had nothing to do with my experience. And I was not happy there. And when an instructor is not happy there, it, it's not going to work. That's turnover for the studio. Um, and I've worked at studios that culturally were an incredible fit and made me want to be the best instructor I could be. And, and I leveled up, right, because I was so inspired and motivated to be there. And so I think for a studio... They really need to define their values, their culture, and those things. I mean, it should naturally match your clientele, but you want to make sure it matches your clientele because the instructor is now representing your studio when they are with your clientele. So that that value system, that personality, um, that needs to match the needs and the wants of your clients, right? If you lead with that, you are going to find the instructor that is your biggest cheerleader, that is motivated because they feel so seen, so valued, so supported because it's just that natural fit. They're going to work hard for you. They're not going to want to leave you. I mean, I left my dream studio because we ended up moving and it broke my heart. And I opened a studio because I could not find one that I love to work for that much. Um but they're going to be your biggest advocate because they match you on a more personal level. Yes, they need to be able to teach the way you want them to teach. They need to match your style. Um, but also, there are cases where someone may come from a different background and they might not have realized that that training school or that studio that they were at at the time was it right for them? And in that process, they realized it and they're looking for something different. And they value match you and you have the opportunity to guide them into your style, into the way you do things because their personality and their value system is such a fit and they can become your best instructor, even if they come from a different background. Right. And I also believe that often there is uh, people who are younger in their career can be more teachable, more trainable, more moldable, you know? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> when, you know, this is, some, this is something I, I wholeheartedly agree on about, I think we, and this we touched on this at the start of the, of the convo, is where people basically, I think, you know, we, by default, we ask for these things. Like we want a great instructor, obviously, you know, so, but by default, we don't really know how to ask the right questions. So we, we just say, okay, must have X number of years experience, must have X number of hours of certification, must be certified with X, Y, Z, you know, organization or whatever. And we think like, okay, if we get all of those things, that'll mean we get a good instructor. But really, you know, we all know crap instructors who were certified by any organization. We all know crap instructors who've got 10 years of experience. We all know, you know, like, so it's not a guarantee that you'll get somebody who's a good fit. And Often if we ask, okay, like, 
you know, what would the perfect, you know, team member look like for you? What would they add to the team? Another way I think about it is as an employer myself, I think about, okay, I'm paying you a pile of money. Okay. What do I get in exchange for that pile of money? Right. And so if I'm a studio owner or what I get in exchange is full classes of happy clients, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no, and no hassle, right? Right. Um, and so at the end of the day, like that's, that's what I want, right? As okay. a studio owner. Now, absolutely. Like you say, there are values around that. And in order for those clients to be happy, that person, the instructor has to deliver the kind of results and experience that I want to provide for my clients and that those clients signed up for in the first place. Um, you know, and that's going to, that's going to come down to, you know, tangible things like what sort of music we play, what sort of workouts we do, but also intangible things like, you know, what kind of jokes you tell or, you know, <laughs> et cetera. Do you learn people's names? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm giving you a pile of money. You're giving me a full class of happy clients, right? That's, that's, that's the basic, you know, <laughs> bare bones of, of the value exchange here. And so I think as a studio owner, right, I, I mean, I'm 100% with you on the values thing. We're very big on values at Breathe Education. We always uh, put our values in the forefront in any job ad that we place. But even above the values, what we always put is the deliverables, okay? We're looking for someone who can, and then there's, a, there's, an, there's an outcome after that. You know, someone who can, you know, fill their class with happy regulars, you know, like that's those types of, you know, results-based statements. That is brilliant. And I'm going to recommend that as I work with studios and, and talk to them, not just the values, but what do you want your instructor to deliver and, and define that and put it out there? Um, I think I completely agree. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we, often, and I used to do this for years, we get kind of con- distracted or confused between those things like, you know, 450 hour certified or, you know, whatever. And we think, I, we think that's what we want. Where in reality, like if you said to me, you know, when I was running my studio, all right. So if you could have someone who's not 450 hour certified, but they fill your classes with happy clients week after week after week. Like, would you employ that person? I'd be like, heck yes, I'd employ right. that person, right? That's, <laughs> so that's it's easy. Like it, it's not actually the 450-hour certification that I want. It's it's what I I believe that represents. Yes. And so why not just ask for what you actually want, which is full classes and a values fit? And honestly <laughs> – I think it takes a lot more to deliver full classes and happy clients than to complete a 450-hour certification right. program. Right, <laughs> right, 100%. Um, and I've known instructors, I've worked with instructors who literally week one uh, after graduating their certification, their classes were full and like ever more their classes were full, right? <laughs> they just had the it factor, you know? <laughs> And so years of experience, although I agree, like all things being equal, someone with more experience is probably going to be a better instructor on average than someone with less experience, but not always, you know. Not always. And 
maybe they're a better instructor for that special case client, right? But who are your clients and what is your bread and butter of your business? If if it's group classes and, you know, motivating the clients and getting that good workout in, it's it might not matter as much, right? If you are doing some, you know, more rehabilitative work and clinical work, you know, we might have a different conversation. We also might have the same conversation. It, I, you know, <laughs> I could be talked both ways, but most of the studios out there, you know, what are you delivering to your clients who are those clients? And and yeah, filling filling the room with happy clients is usually what studios are trying to do and need to do. Right. What do you you said something before uh, that you know when we talked about the 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 supply and demand side of instructors uh, and studios and and there being you know, relatively more studios now and relatively fewer instructors. Although I I agree with you. I think there are more instructors in total, but I think more of them are off the market because they're doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. You said that if studios look for and value different attributes than what we sort of traditionally, you know, measure, you know, that it is possible to find great stuff. So let me sort of rephrase the question from, you know, what are the things you see people doing wrong to like, okay, well, what are those attributes and values that you think people should value more highly in order to find those hidden gems of instructors? So I think it it could be different for every studio. I mean, my my partner at Plank App, Trisha, she also owned a studio for many years and, and her studio world and her approach to Pilates is completely different than mine, which I love because we represent two different sides of an industry that um, with a shared goal for the industry. But... I think that you, when you prioritize helping your instructor succeed, and that means financially, it means feeling fulfilled and valued, and, and you might need to figure out what does that person specifically, what fills their cup, but digging into those things and offering them can help attract and retrain them. So, for example, we had an instructor who um, she actually was one of the instructors who had no experience but had a passion for Pilates. And she did our training and right off the bat, just, I mean, a gem, a true gem. And it got to the point where I was thinking, I really do not want to lose this instructor. So I said to her, what do you need? What are you looking for to be happier in this role that that we can give you? And for her, and I would have never guessed this, but it was being more involved with the day-to-day management of the studio. And I, I would have never assumed this. But she wanted to feel more connected to the studio, to the business, to the clients, And so I was like, wow, yeah, I can obviously use help with all of the day-to-day tasks that I'm also doing. This is a huge win-win, right? So that was someone who I already knew, right, was already working for me, asked the question, what do you value? What do you need? She needed connection. She wanted to feel like she was a part of building something. 
So you could either approach that in your hiring where you think ahead of time, what can I offer someone? Is it continuing education? Is it, com- is it community? Is it mentoring with me one-on-one? Is it creativity? Because we really value really creative and new ways of doing classes, right? It could be anything. Defining that, what that is, and offering it right away. This is also what you get when you work for us. It could also be things like profit sharing programs if if you have that available for you financially. And hopefully as a studio, you're building a business model that is, you know, productive enough, profitable enough that you can offer your instructors top tier compensation and continue to do so. Um, But I think it really is digging into what you can offer someone that's more than just show up for this class, teach it and leave. Because that disconnect kind of, you know, why not just teach online if that's all you're doing, right? If you're just showing up to a place, teaching for an hour, saying bye, leaving. Yeah, I understand the appeal to go off and do some streaming stuff on my own. But if I feel really connected to a community, just something that I'm building, um, you know, there's more to it than just the paycheck at the end of the day. Right. And that really is kind of a fundamental of marketing is that you you look for you know what's the what's the what's the problem in the the alternative for that person so by by which i mean if i'm an instructor and i think okay well i could make x dollars a session working in your studio or i could make like double that if i just go and do some online stuff for myself or to see clients at home it's like well why wouldn't i just see clients at home well the answer is because it's lonely and I don't have anyone to mentor me and there's no community and I have to do be chief cook and bottle washer or myself. Okay. So there's a trade-off, you know, and, and, and each of us gets to choose like what's more valuable for us in that situation, the money or the, you know, the, the camaraderie or whatever. And, and so if you're a studio owner, it's like, well, you probably can't offer someone more money than they could make setting up their own business. Um, uh, just because of the inherent nature of your cost structure, uh, but you can offer them all of those things that they're missing out on in that solo endeavor, which I would say, I mean, you said it could be anything and I know you don't mean that literally, but I think like there are probably three or four things that everyone wants. Everyone who's a, who's a great instructor wants is like, okay, they want mentoring and feedback. They want opportunities for professional growth. They want community, you know, that they want to improve themselves. They want to have career development. Most of them, you know? Um, so I think, you know, cre- creating uh, like processes and structures in your business that to deliver those things to an employee and say it's like, okay, it's a condition of you working here that you do a, a one-on-one with me every week and I will give you feed, I will attend your classes and I'll give you feedback and blah, blah, blah. And most people who are, you know, want to be the best they can be, which is like most of us, I think won't see that as an onerous duty. They'll say it's like, oh, yippee, I get feedback every week. I get mentoring. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> right? <laughs> so you'll attract the people that you that you want around. I mean, presumably as a studio owner, you want someone who wants to improve and, you know, learn and, and stuff. So, yeah, Absolutely. I agree. Well. What are the – so so as a – because I want to talk about uh, instructors in a minute and what instructors can do to maximize their chance of finding a great situation 
with a studio that that's a fit. But just before we transition onto that, so you know, instead of you know just copying and pay, like going to like idea dot com or seek dot com or whatever and then copying and pasting someone else's job ad that says, you know, looking for fully comprehensively trained instructor must have five hundred hour certification on all apparatus, right? It's like boring. It's like when I used to when I used to be a studio owner and I used to receive uh, resumes, sometimes just like randomly someone had just sent me their resume. Like the ones that said, you know, dear sir slash madam, I hereby submit for your perusal my curriculum vitae. It's like that went straight in the bin, just a generic, you know, thing like that. Just go straight in the bin. And I think for instructors, it's probably like similar. If you're you're looking down through all the job ads and they all say the same thing, you know, it's like, did these people like go to some kind of training where they all learn the same, you know, (laughs) job ad? But (laughs) <laughs> yeah, instead of saying like, okay, must be, you know, 450 hours certified with this company or whatever, say, hey, we're looking for someone who's curious and values creative programming and, you know, can deliver, you know, full classes of happy regular clients and, you know, is passionate about community and like whatever your values are, like that ad will stand out like anything (laughs) that's it would make me want to work for that studio i'd be like wow it's like they read my mind and that's that's the moment you want your applicants to have and when you look at an applicant's you know criteria that's the moment you want to have when you're looking at them too like wow this is so specific it's so on point that it's just a clear fit yeah, I um I have to give a shout out now. I will say this studio was not on Plank App. I saw this in a Facebook group. Um, but I have to shout them out because their job posting was incredible. I saw this in a Facebook group. Um, it's a studio called Physio Elements on Long Island. And their job posting said, you're a good fit if you love. And then they listed motivating clients creativity, contributing to a fun, kind, and supportive studio environment, developing classes, um, restorative Pilates, right? Like that's a key indicator of like one of their styles of, you know, of classes. And I'd look at them and be like, oh, I love everything about them, but I don't teach restorative. So that's, you know, I'm not going to apply for that and that's okay. Um, But I just loved the way they articulated all of that. And it might you know, they might not get 50 applicants, but they're probably going to get a strong pool, a smaller pool, but a strong pool of people who really fit with them. Yeah. Because like you said, what that job ad does is, which is equally important in my view as attracting the right people is actually deters people who are not a fit. And so you read that ad and you thought, oh, that looks amazing, but I don't teach restorative, so I'm not going to bother applying. So you don't have to go through the inconvenience of like three applications and a, and a you know, audition and a whatever. And they don't have to interview another person who at the end of all that, they go, oh, you don't teach restorative. That's not a good fit, you know. So so everybody saves time and anybody who's going to apply for that presumably is going to be, you know, a very good match for all of those things. And then you get a, a shorter list of better qualified cl- uh, prospects, you know, mm-hmm. prospective um, 
team members. And so you, you're not wading through dozens of resumes that are just completely wrong and just no way this person could be a fit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I loved it when I saw that. I, uh, I still need to track them down and tell them to post on Plank App, but. Yeah. Get on Plank App. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So what, let's let's flip over to instructors now. So what do you you know? I guess I'll, I'll phrase this uh, in the in the positive this time. So what do you see the most successful instructors do to to land a great job? Like what you know? How do how do they put their best foot forwards? Yeah, and um, it's funny because as I was thinking as you were speaking, I'm like, well, it's really not that different from what studios can do, right? It's actually pretty simple. Um, I think the first thing, and this might be the hardest part, especially if you're a newer instructor, is knowing who you are as an instructor. What do you like to teach? How do you like to teach? Do you prefer big groups or one-on-one, you know, restorative or athletic? Um, What's your style and what's your vibe? And and lean into it and own it. I think that my biggest mistakes early on in my career that honestly, I mean, it was fine. It just led to a less happy work life for me was trying to fit a mold that I thought a studio wanted to be wanted me to be instead of being authentic to myself. Um, so I think the sooner you can figure out who you are as an instructor, and sometimes that might mean working at a couple wrong places to figure out you're right, and and that's okay. It's part of the learning process. But figuring out who you are and owning it, owning it. There's no shame in being 100% authentically yourself. You're going to find the right studio to work at. You're going to find the right clients. And it's very draining to try to be someone you're not. So I, I think that's the first thing and it's the most important. And then it's about, well, how do you present yourself and how do you promote yourself and how do you find those right places, right, that are a fit for you? Um, and again, I think it goes back to networking. Now you can do that in your community. You can go to classes. You know, if you're applying locally to a studio I think you absolutely should have taken at least one class at that studio before you apply to work there. Um, You need to know what it's like for yourself. And a studio is going to know right away if you're familiar with their product or not. And they will be much more excited and interested in you if you've taken an initiative in them. Um, But also to vet for yourself, right? oh, I actually, that was a room full of clients I don't think I would enjoy teaching. Great. Okay. I can save time on that one, right? Um, And now, like, you can do it easier than ever online. Um, And honestly, again, I'm going to plug it again, but it's why we made it is Plank App. Like, on your phone, you can browse studio profiles, and we've designed them in a way for studios to hopefully talk about things more than, you know, what they would say on a website, right? Because a website and Instagram, that's all talking to their prospective customers. So that's a little bit different than how they might talk about at themselves as an employer. Things like what are their pay rate? What types of equipment do they have? 
Um, how do they describe their style of classes in like a, a more, I hate professional jargon, I hate saying that, but in a way that like an instructor can really connect with, right? Instead of your standard boilerplate, what you see on websites and what you see on Instagram and, and all of that. Um, so you can browse studios, you can favorite them, and you can message with them ahead of time. And this is something that I really love because I know I said you should go to a studio before you apply for a job, and I still stand by that. But that can get pretty expensive, especially if you are unemployed and you are looking for work. And so maybe you can message with a couple studios to see if they're even someone that you want to go spend that $35 or $50 on in a class with before you throw that money away, which as an instructor starting out, if you're looking for work, like that time and money really does matter. Um, so you should be looking for a studio that matches you just as much as you feel like you need to match them. There are two things you said there that I want to just uh, double click on for or maybe respond to is a better way of putting it. The first one is just knowing, you know, doing your, basically doing your research. So you could do that by doing classes, and I think that's a fantastic way, and I highly recommend that as well. A lot of places have a free intro or a low-price intro or whatever, which, you know, I think it's a great, great opportunity. But at the very least, stalking them on Instagram, reading through the website, etc. Um, you know, I know when we advertise for jobs, even now in, you know, Breathe Education, you know, it, when I receive, one of the questions we always ask is, why do you want to work for us in particular? And I know when somebody has just put together some kind of boilerplate thing that they send to every employee, you know, I want to work for your organization because I value, you know, teamwork and insert generic buzzword, you know, here. I'm passionate about Pilates. <laughs> right. Right. We all are. Um, Whereas when you see one that where somebody plainly has done their homework and they're like, well, I, I, you know, scrolled through your socials and I really liked the post you did about X, Y, and Z. And that really uh -huh. resonated with me. And I came and did a class and I, you know, I loved when we did this particular stretch, that was a new one for me. And I thought the way you queued X, Y, and Z was great. It's like, that really makes an impression on employers. That really makes an impression because you will be wait they'll be waiting through a sea of generic applicants you know, I hereby submit my curriculum vitae for your perusal, dear sir slash madam, right? And and then your application that shows that you actually know what they value and, you know, you've taken the time to do your research, that is like straight to the top of the pile in my experience. Absolutely. And you value what they value. You value the work that they did and you valued, like I love that example of, I love this, the way you cued that, right? You're showing that you also value learning and growing and developing, right? You can like sneak in all of those little things in a quick message um, that kind of hits home. Right. I think the second thing, uh, which is more just of a, a tip that I recommend, uh, and I think this is for for instructors, it's a very powerful one. Is when which I, I thought about it when you said about messaging, and I think it's such a great idea, is to DM you know message that studio owner and say, hey, look, I'm applying for a job and I've got an interview set up on X Y Z date with you. Just could you let me know like what are the three things I could do to really wow you on that day? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like how can I best deliver to you already, like already, and then. As an employee, 
I'm always going to think that that employee is always going to be looking for how can they best deliver results to me as well. I, I love right. that. And plus, it just it gives you the cheat code, right? They tell you, oh, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> want, if I if I see these three things, you know, you're hired, right? Right. <laughs> or like, if their answer is like off-putting to you, then you're like, oh, actually, I, I'm going to cancel that. And and I want every instructor to feel empowered to be like, oh, okay, not for me. That that's okay, right? Right, right. You mentioned uh, you mentioned. Uh, which was in, intriguing to me, that when you have in, uh, studios fill out their their studio profile, you ask them about uh, salary expectations. So I'm keen to to talk about that because I think that is something that is very um, we we don't talk about enough in Pilates world. And I've had many conversations with studio owners and with with instructors who got through like three or four rounds of interviews and had not discussed salary you know and so you've you've spent like a dozen hours on this application so far and then you get to the final thing it's like okay great when do you want to start monday okay by the way what's the salary oh i couldn't work for that much you know and it's like well wouldn't have that have been good to know like just before we had this whole right you know <laughs> so so when when do you think is the right time to ask about or discuss or disclose salary expectations on both sides, right? Because the studio might be offering a certain amount and the instructor might be requesting a certain amount and there might that might not be the same amount. There might be some overlap. It might be a range or there might be a small gap and it might be negotiable, you know? So, so when do you think it's the right time and how should you broach the subject? So my ideal scenario is a salary range in a job posting, just upfront transparency right away. Um, I We actually, I think our first version of the app required that from studios. And we got a lot of pushback. Um, I think people aren't quite ready to be there for one reason or not. Money's a dirty word, even though we're all trying to make money to survive. Um, but I do think that it is the studio's responsibility to present salary um, in that first interview at at the very latest. Like if you haven't done it in a job interview or in the job posting and maybe message back and forth and you haven't done it there because you think it's something that needs to be talked about in person or or whatever your reason is, that first interview or demo, whatever you do first, I think you should proactively bring that up. And as a studio, you have a budget. Like you are the person who knows what you can afford and you need to set that parameter at the start because like you said, it wastes a lot of time for you both. And you're not going to convince the instructor who works, who wants $100 an hour to take $25 an hour. I, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe you could. If you've I've done, done that, I would love to talk. You've done it? That's amazing. No. Oh, no, you haven't. No, 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 I said I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. If someone would, has, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think $25 is a very attractive hourly no. rate. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's another thing. So the studio sets the budget, right, based on what you can afford, and that budget should be the top of the market for your local area. Um, if 
you can't afford to pay top of the market or ideally better, that's a whole nother conversation about, you know, your business model and pricing and, and how can you afford to pay your instructors the top rate because you want to be the top studio in your area. You need to have the top instructors to do that. To hire and retain them, you need to be able to pay that. Um, so I really think studios should bring it up right away. If they don't, I do think it's fair for an instructor to ask about it right away. Um, I'd, I would love to see people feel more confident in saying, hey, bef- you know, before we go down this road, what is the pay or pay range for this job? Um, if you are super confident and if you're like, I, you know, my hard line is $100 an hour, you could also say this, you know, I just want you to know before I take up more of your time in this interview process that this is what I am looking to make and I, I cannot be flexible on that. If that truly is the case as an instructor, like hold your ground on that. If that really is the case, save you both some time. But I think both parties need to be realistic and, um, you know, meet the other one where it's reasonable and financially appealing. Right. And I think I like what you say there about top of market because I think that it is it is exactly a market. You know, there's supply and demand and that will determine, you know, price. And if you are an instructor who's in high demand in your area, you have a you know, great skill set, there's a shortage of instructors, well, then your price can go up, right? Because people will be competing uh, for you. And if you as a studio owner are not uh, able to, you know, match the, the, the best offer, like if, if I'm an instructor and I've got a, a range of op- opportunities and, you know, they come at different pay rates, it's like, well, why wouldn't I take the best paying one, you know, all other things being equal. Now, like we said before, other things aren't, often aren't equal. So there are other things that are more valuable, like mentoring and community and values fit and all of those things. And that certainly will come into it for most people. But pay is absolutely one of those, you know, critical factors. It's like when we all have, you know, bills to pay and a lot of us have families and mortgages and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like, well, yeah, we're not like if I, if there's if there are two jobs and one pays double what the other one pays, it's like it's going to be very hard to entice me to the one that pays half as much. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I also like what you say there about realistic expectations, and I think uh, a lot of times I think instructors have unrealistic expectations of salary because they just don't understand the math of how a studio works, how the business model works. And I think instructors uh, listening to this, you can just do a really quick back of the envelope calculation. I mean, go up on the studio website, look at their pricing. How many clients in a session? You know, multiply that by 0.8 because you probably, if you're doing well, you'd be like 80% full, you know, most of the time. So just say you can have 10 clients in a session for just the sake of simple math, right? So that, that, and you're charging $20 per session per client. Right. Well, on average, if you're doing well, you have eight clients in a session, you know, because people cancel at last minute and whatnot. So on average, you're going to have eight people paying 20 bucks is 160 bucks a session, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the studio's got to pay rent and marketing and insurance and all the rest of you know, phone and all the rest of it. And then, of course, the owner's got to make 
some money, you know, some money as well. And so that should generally consume about two thirds of of that revenue, you know, so for all of those fixed costs plus a little bit profit, and then leaving one third for the instructor, right? So one what? third for the instructor, one third for the fixed costs, and one third for the owner. Um, you know, that, these numbers are variable, but you know, roughly kind of sorta. So if if you're looking at that session on the website and you see, okay, this this studio has that capacity, you know, 10, 10 reformers at twenty dollars a pop. So that's going to be generating an average of $160 per session if we're doing well. One third of that is like $53.33. So that's roughly, that should be the ballpark of what my salary expectation is. Like if I go in asking for $100, like I'm going to send that business bankrupt if that owner agrees to it. Right. 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 You won't have a job for long. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, that makes Um, perfect sense. So... Do you have any data on salaries, or do you have any like even just anecdotal data? Like, what is a what is a reasonable, realistic expectation on both sides? You know, what will what will instructors work for, and conversely, you know, what can studio owners afford to pay? So, I think anecdotally, the first thing that I see um, just from my own experience working in the industry and then also seeing what users like set in their profile because instructors can set a pay range in their profile. Um, People say they want to make a certain amount, but they are willing to accept a lower amount than that. So I'll see on these playing gap profiles, you know, 75 to $150 an hour is my ideal pay range. Um, which that's a huge range to begin with. But so find a stu- if anyone knows a studio paying $150 an hour, please let I know. me know who that studio is. <laughs> I know. Um, and I'm like, great, you know what? Dream big. That is what you want to make. But then you see people getting hired and you know that studio is not actually paying that. Um, and then likewise, I see a lot of studios post jobs and say that they're willing to pay between 35 and $60 an hour is usually the range that I see. And usually it'll come with a disclaimer that's like, you know, depends on experience, which going back to you, what you and I talked about earlier, it's really like, well, it should depend on your ability to fill your classes and, it and should keep depend those on your ability yep, to put bums on, on reformers or mats or Cadillacs or whatever yes. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Honestly, $50 is like a pretty, it's exactly what you came up with. Um, And it's a pretty typical number that I see. What's really interesting is that I'm still seeing that number advertised in areas like New York City that has a much greater cost of living than where I am in upstate New York. And so I, I do think that Studios are still, they still need to catch up a little bit, whether it's, you know, that's what they advertise because they think, all right, then we're going to go to the negotiating table. Um, Hopefully they are paying their instructors more in in big city areas that, you know, the cost of living is 3x what it is where I am. Um, But I do think like where I am, when I say $50, people are like, oh, that's a, that's a great, that's a great rate. Um, so it definitely does vary geographically, but 
I'm I'm mostly seeing studios wanting to pay between 35 and maybe 55, 60 a class. Mm. And I think if you're a studio in New York or some <laughs> other big urban area where the cost of living is is higher and it's six dollars for a cafe latte, then like well you can you should be charging more. You know? Yeah. Like so and you should pass some of that on, one third of it yeah. on to the instructor. Right? Yeah. And and say you're newer, right? You're a new studio just getting off the ground. Like I I understand I I just opened a studio a year ago. Um, you can structure your pay to be a bonus incentive. You know, you've got a base pay and then X amount until you fill the class. Or you can proactively have a plan. And I really think studios should do this. That says, listen, this this is the pay today. You work for me for a year. We're going to be back at this table talking about a raise. Or you work for me for a year and I've got a profit sharing initiative that, you know, that I'm going to give to you. Have a plan and and tell that to your instructors because people might be willing, again, those value points that you connect on, the culture, all of those things. Instructors might be willing to say, okay, I understand that's where we are today, but I love to know that there's room for growth. And that is something that a lot of other industries, it's kind of expected, like, yes, I'm going to get an annual raise and my career is going to go like this. In Pilates, oftentimes it's a little, it's a little bit more flat or or slow incline. But if you can show that instructor you've got a plan for them and your success is their success and you're willing to share that, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I agree. Although I would uh, rather than – we do an annual review at Breathe Education, but I would do more based on performance. So I would – if I was – if I owned a studio now – I would, or if if I was an instructor looking for a job now, here's what I'd propose either way. Is like, okay, well, if I was an instructor, I'd say, okay, well, you're offering 50 a session and I want 75 a session. Um, So I'm willing to start for 50 and work for three months. And then if at the end of three months, I've got an average of like 85% full attendance on my, on my sessions, can we agree that I've earned, you know, $70 a session or, or whatever? Uh, and so, and vice versa, you could say that as an employer, right? Okay. If you start on this much and then mm-hmm. we'll review in three months. And if you, you know, if you, if your sessions are X percentage full on average at that time, then we'll, you know, raise it up to whatever other slightly higher amount. So yeah, I'll I make that. it contingent on performance. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, or is there anything else you'd like to ask me? You know, have we missed anything that you, you think is important? Um, I mean, I think at the heart of everything that I'm working on and everything that we're talking about is the growth of the Pilates industry. And it is rapidly growing. And I think we're all pretty happy to see that, right? If you're working in the Pilates industry, it's because you found it at some point in your life and it connected to you. It resonated with you. It changed your life, right? And and you want to help other people experience that. I think that's what we're all here for. Um, and it's super exciting to see the industry grow. At the same time, I want to see the industry be able to keep up with that growth, right? I want to see more instructors happier where they work, having fulfilling careers, not getting burnt out. Um, And likewise, 
studios that are really thriving, right? I love to see a Pilates studio thrive. It's like, oh, yes, you know, people are seeing what I see. They're benefiting from what I think is this really life-changing, incredible thing. And so I just think that as an industry, and there's a lot of things happening in the industry, you know, people like to debate and have their different opinions on, you know, I don't even want to go there, but we all have to do things a little bit differently to continue to grow and to keep up with that growth and to to help serving Pilates to the community. Um, and it's just something that I'm really passionate about. And, and I think most people in this industry are passionate about. And so I hope that just people listening think about the things that we were t- that we're talking about and how approaching things a different way or presenting yourself a different way can can just help it, the Pilates industry in that bigger picture sense, right? Like we are here to do something. We all agree on that, but we have to keep up with the pace. We have to keep growing. We have to keep, you know, getting outside of our comfort zone and doing things a different way. Um, it's why I started playing gap. It's also why I opened up my studio that I have now. Um, and I, I just want to encourage people to keep doing that, whatever that means to them. It is how we propel the industry forward. Um, and I mean, I do have a couple questions for you, but I'll pause to see if you have anything to add to my, my big picture (laughs) speech about the industry. I'm so, so with you on that, Hannah. I think about it in terms of, I can't remember who, whether it was Clayton Christensen or somebody uh, talked about sort of early adopters and, you know, early majority and late majority and the laggards, the, the adoption curve of new technology, basically, you know, there are those people that will queue up outside the Apple store for three days to get the newest iPhone, you know, and they're, they're, it's like, they don't even care what features it has. Like they will just buy it because it's new. Um, and then are those people, there are those people, and I'm probably one of them, who would like wait to see a few reviews, wait till they iron out the bugs. But like, yeah, okay, it's after, I've just been out for a couple of months, you go buy one and you're like, okay, great, this is awesome, I've got the latest thing. Then there are those people who like wait till like a lot of people have got one and they're like, okay, everyone's got one, it's, you know, I think I'll buy one now. Then there are people like my dad who like still have their like flip phone from 1997, you know. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong? This, this, There's nothing wrong with this, it works perfectly fine. Um uh, so yeah, so there's that sort of uh, you know, and there's that kind of adoption curve, which I, th- I think uh, does describe pretty accurately what happens as something becomes more popular. And when you have that initial, you know, small group of early adopters, I think about kind of Pilates in the really in the 1990s or even in the early 2000s when it was like super boutique, sort of small suburban studios, owner operator, you know one Cadillac, one reformer, one chair, one barrel, a select group of, you know, dedicated clients have been going there for 20 years who really, really, really love Pilates, you know, and and as the industry expands, then we get the early majority, the people like, oh, Pilates is cool. I'll give it a go, you know, and then there's the late majority now where it's like, oh, everyone's doing Pilates. I better hop on the bandwagon, you know, and, and each of those market segments have different needs, right? So Pilates now has become more mass market. And that's not to say that those early adopters aren't still there and those passionate suburban studios can't have a place to, to thrive, but it just means there's also like, there's also 
just the regular folk now who used to go to the gym, but now they prefer Pilates or they used to do aerobics classes, but now they prefer Pilates and, and that's awesome, but they're never going to be the same as those like 25 year every Thursday, you know, people. Right. <laughs> And, and that's and and I think it's all to the good. And like you say, we have to recognise that inherent in the industry expanding in the, in the increased popularity of Pilates is change. Like it cannot be just small suburban boutique mom and pop shops with twelve clients who they just would never leave. Like those places can still exist and do still exist, and they're awesome. But the industry can't it can't be that and be mass market, right? So they're, they're, the mass, the masses, we've got the masses now, which is awesome. It's so great. It's so great. People go to a gym, they go to, they go to some big box gym, they do a Pilates class. They're like, oh, this is amazing. And then they, 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 they look elsewhere and they go, where can I do more of this? Right. Cause maybe I can't get into the Pilates class at the gym because I've got 4,000 members and I, you know, there's only one Pilates class. So they go to the local Pilates studio and that introduces more people to those boutique experiences. So I think the tide, a you know, rising tide lifts all boats for us here, but we have to embrace change. We have to embrace change. We, yes, yes. I'll just leave it there 100%. And in all ways, and more people doing Pilates is great. Like that is incredible. It is healthier people. It is happier people. Um, and that's a hard stop. And I think we can all, everyone in the industry agree on that. I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I agree obviously, but I think there's, there can be a lot of fear from people who are entrenched in the industry and see you know, new players coming in and think, oh no, it's not safe or it's not real Pilates, whatever that is. Or, you know, so I think, or, you know, and I think a lot of it comes with scarcity mentality and thinking like, oh no, they're going to steal all the clients, et cetera, or they're going to give Pilates a bad name. But I just, I, I don't believe that's a useful mentality. I don't think it's, it's accurate or true. I think, I really do think the rising tide lifts all boats. And um, I think, I, you know, what, I don't think there's ever been a better time to be in the Pilates business. I think this is fantastic era. I'm very excited. I, I totally agree. There's room for everyone. There are different clients for everyone. Right. So, um, yeah, what did you, what did you, what else did you want to chat about? So I was just wondering because, you know, you had a studio for a decade and now you're educating Pilates instructors and kind of guiding them out into their career. Um, from a plank gap perspective, you know, knowing what we do and what we're trying to achieve, how do you think we can best serve both instructors and studios? Uh, well, I think there's obviously there's a network effect, which just means like the more people that use the app, the more valuable it is. Like if 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 I'm in Miami and there's only like one studio who who is on plank app as an instructor, it's, it's of limited value, right? But if there's a hundred studios on plank app it's really valuable because that's where you find a job. So yeah. I think there's obviously there's a network effect and that's sort of like, uh, it's really hard to get the first hundred, but uh, it's really easy to get the next thousand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's those early adopters that we were talking right. about with Pilates. It's, it's the same with new tech. Right. So, you know, I think that's an inherent part of your value equation is just like how many people are and studios are, yeah. are on the app. 
I love I love the I love the way it's set up presently. I think, and I'm not sure if you have this feature, but I think it, like a subs feature would be massive. Um, we do. Because, oh, great! Yeah, because I think that uh, I think even promoting that as a like as the main thing on the app for yeah. instructors would be great because I know in just about every city there is a, a Facebook group or whatever called like, you know, Pilates Subs Austin or whatever near city. And like you can go, I go on the Melbourne one, you know, pretty regularly. And there's like every day, there's like half a dozen people going, hey, can anyone teach a 7 p.m. class at XYZ Studio tonight? It's like, if you wanted to work seven days a week, you could just just do right. subs, you know? <laughs> right. I So I just love that you said that. I'm going to interrupt you really quick because that was our that was our first like iteration of the app was a subbing app for high density cities um, for exactly that reason. Like, let's make it easy for people to pick up shifts. Let's make it less stressful for instructors to have to take time off and have that like connected community support each other. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but I think that the main things, I think you've already got it covered in terms of, I think it's just you know, making it easy for people, you know, instructors and studios to access, you know, a market of employers or, or employees. And so I think like bells and whistles to me are probably not going to add a lot to it. It's really just like, okay, how quickly can I be looking at the profile of half a dozen, you know, suitable, you know, potential matches uh, and and how easy is it for me to, you know, rule them in or out based on what I see on the app, and how easy is it for me to then to contact them and 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 take it to the next step? I think you know that's like I think you know the fewest clicks or swipes to get to the my goal is thing. But I think I mean, you know, when you ask that question, I think there are so many ways that you could expand this, like partnering with like educational institutions like us, for example, um, uh, to, to get like students on the app, you know, in their final kind of part of their certification, uh, partnering, like integrating with uh, software like Mind Body Online and stuff. So you could track the performance of instructors, you know, and they get a performance rate, like average attendance rating, you know, 73% or whatever. Um, that would be amazing, you know. Yeah, I love <laughs> so, where you're going. <laughs> So if I could, if I could, if I could, as an instructor, you know, connect, uh, you know, my mind body profile in the, the studio I work at or whatever Thanks with my Plank app profile, and it could just automatically show, oh, well, you know, Raphael has taught X number of sessions in the last year or whatever with an average capacity of whatever, right? Right. Um, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, reviews. I think that would be a big one, like a glass door type score for both employees and employers would be yes. amazing. Um, we do yeah, I mean, ask, yeah. oh, we do ask studios and instructors to mutually review each other after, um, after working for each other, say someone's being hired in the app, but I would love to expand that to, um, you know, peer-based reviews. Like I have a former coworker or a former studio that, that could offer, reviews on the app for me right away so an instructor or a studio could could see right away oh this is what our old em employer had to say about it 
I think you could expand it out to student to like to clients as well. Like if I'm an instructor and I've got my Plank app open and I'm just like, I don't know, my clients after class, I'm like, hey, would you give me a review? And I just kind of like bump phones with them or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then they can review. Like if I'm an employer and I see, I like, you know, Hannah's applying for a job and she's got like 497 reviews. I'm like, Hannah's a networker. Hannah knows how to influence people. Like Hannah's Hannah's going to be an asset to this studio. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. I'm going to go right to our product team, which is my partners. Um, (laughs) I think think studios could do that as well. But I think for studios, there are lots of other opportunities. Like you can get Google reviews or Trustpilot or you know, uh-huh. net promoter or whatever. And to have them, the ability for the studio to share that, you know, display yeah. that, you know, integrate that um, within yep. the app. Um, I, I mean, you've given us a lot of great, you, you have confirmed a lot of the things that we've done and we're working on and, and given us some good food for thought. I think uh, pulling in some Google reviews seems like something we can do pretty easily. And I, I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe you're already doing all of this stuff as well, but I think it, like, if it was me, uh, I would be doing like everything I could to get studios on board because of that network effect. Right. So it, um, that I would, I would go for market share before I went for money. So I would basically just make it free for everybody for everything and just to get market share. Like the more people on the app, the more valuable the app becomes to the, the next person who who joins. Like if you're the only person in Boston with a telephone, that's a bloody useless telephone, right? But if everyone's got a telephone, then all of a sudden it's really valuable to have a, a tele- telephone. So I, I guess, you know, I mean, I'm kind of just, like I said, thinking out loud here, but if, 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 I mean, even just like getting people on, getting students onto the app, like through um, Pilates Educators, for example. So just say you, you partner up with us and we, and we, you know, invite all of our final module students to make a profile on the app so they can get a job, right? Then just say you've got like 100 people in Miami looking for jobs, but you've only got two studios in Miami, right? Someone in your team, you know, I know it's not a very big team, maybe it's you, right? Just basically cold dials all of those studios in Miami and says, hey, look, I've got a hundred instructors looking for work, right? Right. <laughs> um, uh, do, you want, uh, do you want me to set you up with a free profile? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just you know, kind right of kickstarting. And, and I guess if it was me also, what I would do is I would look at other kind of businesses that have network effects and see what they did to kickstart it, like Uber, and Airbnb, it's like when they go when they went into a new city. Like, what was their strategy to to kickstart that you know network effect? Because it must have been like imagine you know trying to recruit the first Uber drivers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> where do you start from? I uh, I listened to an interview with the founder of Bumble, one of the dating apps, mm-hmm. and it was like she talks about the early days going to college campuses. And splitting up between one person going to all of the fraternities and saying that all of the sororities have now joined this app and all of the sororities <laughs> saying all the fraternities have joined the app. And like that was their their early day network effect building. And it that's to- totally right on. It's like the chicken or the egg growing both at the same time, telling the other ones like you got to be on here because they're on here and and rapid fire that. So 
It's right on. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, and hopefully some of that's of, <laughs> of value. It's uh, totally. It's you know when you when you start out. I mean, you're not really totally starting out. You've been going for quite some time, really. But I'm sure you've thought through a lot of this a lot more than I have. But <laughs> you know, there's a lot of just throwing stuff up against the wall and seeing oh, yeah. what sticks. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, trial, error. Um, you know, it's a lot of that with our customer service. Like, we ask for tons of customer service and we personally reply to that customer service. And it's, you know, put it out there, have people use it, ask for feedback and adjust. And it's the same thing with, you know, marketing and getting Plank App out there and getting people on it and with optimizing the product to, to best serve people. Um, yeah. Throw it out, see what sticks. I guess one other thing, I'm sorry, just uh, pops up for me, is like optimizing your profile. So, like you said, uh, you you now you used to require, but now you encourage employers to put a salary range. So, if you had a rating of like you know your profile is like 73 percent optimized, you know to to bring your profile to 100 percent, you know specify the salary range and upload a video and you know whatever the other things are. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Cool. Thank you so much. You know, thank you. I, I gained a lot from this. Um, it's very, it's fascinating to get those insights. And I think it's such a wonderful thing what you're doing. I've been waiting for it for a couple of years. Like I said, I'm so glad you'd, you're doing it. Um, those, you know, dear sir, madam, curriculum vitae letters, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> figure the past now. Yeah. And hopefully pretty soon the, you know, generic must have 450 hour certification from XYZ company will soon be a thing of the past as well. And we'll just be looking for people who can deliver a result and sh with a shared set of values. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Thank you, Raph. I, I really appreciate you having us on and I've been a big fan of the podcast for a while. So thank you for everything that you're doing as well. It's really cool to see everyone, again, like we said, working for changing and optimizing and growing the industry. It's what we're here for. Sure is. Cool. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. 
This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.